Greetings from the North Woods of Wisconsin. This is Chad Lewis, and you are listening to the Bigfoot Society Podcast. Thanks for coming back to Bigfoot Society, your weekly cryptozoology-focused podcast where I talk to a different individual in the cryptozoology field, authors, researchers, artists, all sorts of people. If you're listening to this on iTunes, please uh, go ahead, subscribe to this uh, podcast and rate us five stars as it helps us get more into the podcast stratosphere and get uh, better guests on the show. Also, if you're on YouTube, do us a favor like this video and subscribe to this channel. It doesn't cost a thing and it helps us get out there into the YouTube stratosphere as well. Be sure to leave what your favorite part of the episode was in the comments. Welcome back to another episode of the Bigfoot Society podcast. Uh, this week I talked to a new friend, Joshua Cutchin, from Where the Footprints End. Uh, a very interesting and fun dialogue about a lot of topics to do with uh, the field of Bigfooting that some people might uh, say as being fringe topics, but it's very interesting to hear Josh's take on it and uh, to learn something uh, from this uh, conversation as we we all can learn something from all the uh, discussions we have on Bigfoot Society. At least that's the goal. So sit back and relax. Uh, we're going to talk about orbs. We're going to talk about uh, Bigfoot mimicking owls. I, it, it Stuff that's blowing my mind, and I'm sure it's going to blow yours. So uh, enjoy this week's episode of the podcast. And Small Town Monsters... Be careful up there in Alaska. There's only one of you guys. All right. All right. Thanks for coming back to the Bigfoot Society podcast. I've got uh, the privilege of talking to uh, Mr. Joshua Cutchin this week. Uh, how's it going, sir? It's going great. And you nailed the pronunciation. So. Oh, I did. Oh, I'm... Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, it only I... takes one time to mess up a pronunciation for you to like... <laughs> Oh man, I'm glad I did. Uh, ooh, yeah. So, uh, Josh, I am psyched for this uh, this interview. Uh, a lot of people are excited for this. Actually, when I announced that you were coming on, they were like, "Oh, this is going to be good." So, I uh, let's do a quick bio uh, to kind of let uh, the listeners know what's going on here. So, uh, Josh McCutcheon is an accomplished writer, most known for uh, being involved with the two volume set where the footprints end, which is a uh, I would say you know, uh, required, uh, reading if you're in the Bigfoot field, like it's, it's good, man. It's I good. It. All I right. All right. It. Uh, he's also a composer and a tuba player based out of Atlanta, Georgia, which is really cool. You've got some great music. Uh, I listened to some earlier and it's like kind of like uh brass band, like very cool stuff. I dig, I was digging it. Uh, he's also, yeah, he's also been on uh, ancient aliens, uh, coast to coast AM, all sorts of crazy stuff. So, uh, he gets around and he's got some uh, cool stuff going on. But uh, anything else that we want the uh, listeners to know about you before we get uh, going, Josh? I've got some cool stuff going on and some not so cool stuff going on because <laughs> <laughs> I'm a tuba player, right? Um, no, I mean, that, that's that's pretty much me in a nutshell. Um, All right. Yeah, uh, I, I really enjoy being able to retreat to music whenever I get fed up with Fortiana and vice mm. versa, you know? Um, especially like, you know, during, during the pandemic when live music just dropped out, I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm, uh, focusing on my writing for a while. <laughs> and I think it's, yeah. I think it's healthy to have those two different, you know, 
sides of of two different things to do, you know? I think that's, you know, that, that is a a really good point because, you know, I, you know, if you're into Bigfoot the whole time, eventually you're going to be like, Oh, I got to get something else. So like, you know, I'll watch like star Wars or something and like, you know, kind of have a palate cleanser for a little bit, you know, yeah, have something. So, yeah, you absolutely can burn out on the stuff. And, uh, I think, like you, I think there's something about this stuff that if you stare at it for too long, you kind of end up going a little bit nuts. And I, yeah, and a little I mean bit, that, like, a little bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm, and I mean that in the, like the most loving way. But like it, sometimes you got to be like, "Whoa, man!" Like you know, put the bottle down. <laughs> so yeah. about the music, and this is kind of an off the wall question, but uh, have you found your love for music? your love for the strange love for Bigfoot, do those ever intersect in weird ways? Or is it a thing where like, they're totally separate? You know, it's interesting. Um, I often joke that uh, it's, it's kind of refreshing to like be with my author friends and they think that the tuba thing is weird. And then to be with Mm -hmm. my musician friends and they think that the UFO and Bigfoot thing is weird. Um, You know, in terms of the way that they intersect, um, I keep trying to get some of my peanut butter in that jelly and it never quite <laughs> comes through <laughs> on the music side, you know? Um, you know, I, I have a couple of tunes that I've written that have some like 14 titles. Okay. Um, but, but you know, not, not a whole lot. Um, with, with one exception, I, I do have a piece that I wrote for tuba ensemble um, that is about uh, the wild hunt, uh, which is, oh. you know, the, the, typically European folkloric uh, idea of the spectral army that rides through the sky. Um, nice. That, that's, that's, that's published. And I, I wrote that. I think I re- actually wrote that before I was fully interested in these things. If you look back through like my history, you'll see that this thing's Fortiana and, and the paranormal keep on like rearing their head at points mm. in my life. I was, I just wasn't listening to it. Wasn't listening to that calling. Um, gotcha. Until, gotcha. Yeah, until about five, six, uh, seven years ago, about, um, is when I said, okay, I guess I'm going to do this, you know? So, uh, there's a question that came in from, uh, the audience, uh, Instagram. And, uh, so Jordan, uh, he, he's from uh, campfire tales is strange and unsettling. Uh, he says, he asked, uh, was there a account that made you think that Bigfoot might be something, something that like, you know, you read it and you were like, oh, that's cool. Like something way back. Um, well, you know, so I was always a monster kid and like Bigfoot was actually my thing, okay. um, which is kind of funny that this was my first like book solely dedicated to Bigfoot because I sort of ended up jumping into the UFO stuff before I did the Bigfoot stuff. Of course, all mm. this, all this kind of comes together in bits and pieces. Um, but I was, you know, I was kind of not sold on the whole UFO thing until I discovered, you know, the idea that, oh, this might have something to do with altered states of consciousness. And that's what opened okay. it up to me. But before that, prior to that, I was mostly interested in Bigfoot. And, uh, you know, we were just talking earlier about how, you know, the first book that I press into someone's hands when they say that they're interested in, in Bigfoot is that Jeff Meldrum book. I think it's Legend no of Science. I'm like, this is, yeah. this, is, this is a great place to start. It's fantastic. Exactly. Um, but uh, I think the... Because, like, you know, I, I always wanted, and still to a certain degree want Bigfoot to be a flesh and blood creature. Um, But the first thing that made me think that there might be something a little bit more, I don't know, a little bit stranger, a little bit more folkloric is um, I was reading J. Robert Alley's Raincoast Sasquatch, which is a great book Mm -hmm. that not enough people talk about. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And uh, in it, he mentions that the Bequus, which 
I really should just look this up and memorize it. It's either the, it's either the, I think it's the Tlingit uh, Bigfoot analog, if memory serves. And if I'm incorrect, forgive me, but it's one of the Alaskan tribes. Um, the Bukwes, if you accept food from them and eat it, you'll be trapped with the Bukwes forever. And the food looks like dried salmon, but it's actually tree bark. Oh. And for whatever reason, I had always thought about, um, or had always remembered the idea that in uh, Western European folklore, although you see it worldwide, if you went to fairyland and you took food from the fairies and you ate it, you'd be trapped there forever. And I'm like, this sounds exactly like that thing with <laughs> yeah, the that's, bookless. That's weird, yeah. Um, and you, you know, and you're looking at like these cultures should not have had any. Um, you know, contamination, right? Mm, um, mm-hmm. So you're really left with one of three things. Um, either uh, we did have a global uh, civilization that was okay. transmitting these cultural ideas back and forth, or the, the Jungian collective unconscious is real, and these are just ideas that are floating out there that, you know, by ma- by merit of being a human being, will will find their way into your brain, wow. or that or that these people are, you know, describing something objectively real. And any one of those is fascinating to me um mm. any one of those is, is miraculous so um that's what set me on the the path towards my first book which was all about that food taboo um but that was i think that 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 instance still sticks out to me because that was one of those moments where i was like there's something to this and this particular aspect hasn't been explored and then you know that was way back in 2014 is when i started working on a trojan feast my first book and okay you know and it wasn't until 2020 that uh footprints came out Man, that's. And do you have like a like a? Let's say someone is like, uh, "Where are the footprints at? How does that have to do with Bigfoot? Like, what's the the elevator pitch for the two do books that explain how it does like connect with Bigfoot? Um, but between between footprints and like Trojan Feast, or between uh, uh volume one and two of uh, where the footprints. Oh are. well, you know I. I have found for me mm-hmm. um, that this is going to be the longest elevator pitch. So we're going up 30 floors, right? <laughs> um, awesome. uh, uh, I have found for me that the more I look into these things, I one of two things happens or two things do happen. Um, the first is that um, I find that a lot of the orthodox, more popular explanations for what's going on in terms of there actually being a genuinely anomalous answer to these questions, these mysteries um, don't, quite seem to fit for me and don't quite seem to resonate for me. And I think that's partially because I'm really sympathetic to a lot of skeptical arguments. Um, You know, not in the sense that I think that there's nothing going on, but in the sense that like, you know, with Bigfoot, I do think that there's a problem that we don't have a body. Like that's, that's a problem. And I know the, Mm. the, I know the common, you know, the common counterpoint that we don't often run across mountain lion carcasses or bear carcasses, but like in the course of human history, we, we have you know (laughs) so right so um so i'm sympathetic to a lot of those a lot of those complaints but at the same time i've talked to too many people um having not really had a sighting myself i've had some things that are suggestive of bigfoot activity happen to me but i've never had a sighting myself but i've talked to people who have seen these things and like well how do i reconcile this that there isn't a lot of tangible evidence even though bigfoot does have the best evidence of any unexplained phenomena for its reality i would argue that but like we still don't have a body but at the same time i talk to these people and it sounds like they really saw something and then you throw into the mix all these anomalies that um like you know the abruptly ending trackways that you find the 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 Mm -hmm. series takes its name from and 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 you put those up against older folklore of things like 
you know, the fey folk and witches and spirits and all sorts of other different things. And you're like this, the same things that we see happening in Bigfoot folklore in Bigfoot stories, mm-hmm. even amongst people who are um, very dedicated flesh and blood researchers. Um, you, you find those things resonating and appearing in, you know, older, older folklore regarding all these other things, you know, like for example, the, uh, the braiding of horse manes, Sure. Um, which I always thought was interesting. Yep. And I think there are even, you know, I think there are even some people who claim to have seen Bigfoot breaking into stables and braiding horse manes. Um, that's interesting, but I find it just as interesting that you'll find in England, if somebody had come into a stable and the horse's mane was braided overnight, they would have attributed it to, to fairies or witches. I'm like, really? so yeah. Yeah. So, okay. so like, so, so what's happening in those two instances, you know, and even if it is, something relatively mundane, like people not brushing their horses' manes when they put them in for the night. Why do we jump to that? Why do we jump to our boogeyman, right? Why, why do we jump to our boogeyman as an explanation? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I find that I find that just as interesting, honestly. So I've literally put my notes off to the side of my screen, so I can't see them. And I'm – so this, this could get wild and crazy. Um, why is it that the one culture, let's say Ireland, England, they're focusing on the fairies, the fey folk, but our culture, North America, we're seeing it as like Bigfoot and Sasquatch. Have you ever thought of maybe there's like a, is there a reason for that or? Well, I think there are a couple of different reasons. I mean, I think that in in an alternate universe, mm. if if fairy folklore had been imported more successfully to the new world, um we would still be attributing it to, to fairies. Um, you know, outside of the East coast, a lot of that folklore didn't really make its way into the continental United States. You find okay. it here and there, but like mostly, especially like new England, mm-hmm. uh, and up into like, you know, uh, you know, that the Eastern coast of Canada, that's where you find a lot of that folklore about fairies persevering. Mm. So I think that's part of it. Um, you know, I think it's, I think that's something about Bigfoot, even though it's can be traced back to, uh, you know, that wild man archetype from, from Europe. Mm-hmm. I think that something about it is very appealing to um, the sort of Western materialist, physicalist mindset, you know, that, that everything that exists in reality is, is matter is, you know, going, it's going to be a flesh and it's either a flesh and blood creature or it doesn't exist. Right. Mm-hmm. There's no in between. And that's something that, you know, a lot of indigenous cultures were comfortable sitting in that gray area. And, you know, for those of us who are of, you know, European settler descent who are here in the Americas, our our own, you know, lineage used to be able to sit in that area a lot comfortably as well. Mm. And uh, you know, that mindset, I think I think that the reason that that where the footprints end hasn't hasn't been more derided than it has is because um is because I think people are coming around to that way of thinking again. Now I'm sure that some people will think that that's some sort of, you know, um, sign of the fall of civilization that we're actually entertaining these ideas about, you know, this in between not physical versus physical sort of middle gray area. But at the same time, if you look at things like, you know, psi phenomena, that's the one hill that I will die on in terms of their, me saying there is something to this because a lot of the psi phenomena research by people like Dean Rader, Dean Raiden rather, and Daryl Bim and uh, even Rupert Sheldrake, um, has some teeth to it. Like we're talking about laboratory experiments that are functioning at very high levels Mm. that seem to preclude um, random chance. So I say that to say that like, we're kind of as a culture, we're kind of learning that maybe 
our, you know, Cartesian dualism of things being real or not real or physical or not physical, that's kind of breaking down a little bit. Um, and I think that's probably the reason that people are more willing to entertain the idea. I mean, quite frankly, the woo ideas that are in the book, because there's some there's some far out ideas in, in Footprints 1 and 2. It, and it, I would say it's probably the best resource you can find out there for like getting a solid viewpoint of all those viewpoints, but also like solid um, uh, sightings to back up different things. Like you've really done your research for getting different uh, Bigfoot sightings from all over the place, really, it seems. Well, I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, I... I think, you know, so Tim Renner, who I never want to leave out of the conversation. Oh, yeah, totally. He's, yeah. he's, he's a huge part of this. It was his idea, actually. Um, originally sort of wanted to structure this as more of an encyclopedia of Weird Bigfoot. And it, mm. I came in and I kind of shifted the focus a little bit. But um, we kind of wound up in between. But, yeah, we tried to put as many things as we can in there. The only thing that we didn't really give a lot of time or space to is um, – ideas that Bigfoot of the Nephilim, which is just a rabbit hole that neither of us quite frankly felt like going down because that's you know, a rabbit hole. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a rabbit hole. And the people who yeah. think that are very vocal about <laughs> thinking that not saying that that's not the case. I mean, I'm a Christian myself. Um, even though I'm a weirdo Christian, I'm a Christian myself. <laughs> and, and, uh, but it's just something that was just like, you know, that's, that's going to add another 20,000 words. I think if you want to do it justice. So we kind of mentioned that a little bit, but really trying to look at these templates from around the world, with these different traditions. And I'm sure some people will, you know, look at the books and say, well, what is Bigfoot? And like, we don't know, but we are saying that depending on what suite of, of, of attributes you're looking at in terms of uh, paranormal phenomena or paranormal entities, there are a lot of similarities between what we attribute to Bigfoot and things again, like fairies, like witches, like ghosts, like, um, you know, all sorts of other things. That's a lot. There, there was a lot there. I'm gonna have to go back and rewatch. Like, this is amazing. There's a lot. This is a this is a rewatch one for sure. They're all rewatch ones, guys. But you know what I'm saying. Um, man, well, I, love that. I, I, love I appreciate that. it. And if I ever go too far afield, just feel free to to rein me back in. Um, we'll be right back. Hey, it's Pat Flynn here, host of the award-winning podcast, The Smart Passive Income Podcast, which was created to help you learn how to become an entrepreneur and in the simplest way too. You know, entrepreneurship can be very difficult. I like to simplify things and I interview people like Josh Hall and Shane and Jocelyn Sams and Maria Fela. Who are they? Well, they're people just like you, people who have taken action after listening to the show and have built a business that has changed their lives. And I'd love to share an episode with you that I think will inspire you to get started too. Check out the link in the description or go to smartpassiveincome.com slash 122 to get inspired, get what you need to get started, and change your life. You got this, and thank you. I, I got to ask you some, some, some uh, I'm going to ask you some weird stuff. So yeah. eventually, a little later on, we're going to go into maybe some different uh, points that are that are brought out in the books, but I got to ask you right off the bat. What do you feel? So you know about like Skinwalker Ranch and Sherman Ranch and stuff like that, right? You know about the the uh, story where they saw the portal open up mm-hmm. and they saw like a humanoid Bigfoot, like I think step out of the portal. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that's, you know? Th- man, Skinwalker is such 
a tangled mess at this point. You know what I mean? It's interesting. It's it's, it's, it's kind of like Roswell to me in a, in a way that like I think something weird's going on there, but there are so many fingers in that pie that it's you know it's it's starting to look like we'll never have a, a firm idea of what's going on. And and what I mean mm. by that is. Um, there are allusions that you'll find in some of Valet's writings and some of the stuff that Erica Lukes has talked about. About it sounds like that was kind of a, a government playground to explore non-lethal weapons testing. Like there are some curious waivers that you'll find, I think, in, in some, some of the security stuff, yeah. guards. Yeah. So, like, and what does that mean? Because the Uinta Basin is weird mm-hmm. um, and has been weird long before there was a U.S. government at all. Oh, totally. Um, so, so does that mean that, like, they said, okay, well, we can use this as cover to play with our toys? Does that mean that they're using the energy of the area to to somehow, you know, make these toys? Um, you know, I, I really don't know. As far as that particular anecdote about the portal um it certainly is resonant with a lot of stories that you hear about bigfoot coming in and out of portals elsewhere um and you know like there's a part of me where where i hear stories like i, I can write about bigfoot coming in out of a portal all day but when somebody comes up to me and says that they saw bigfoot step out of a portal i still kind of go okay <laughs> you know okay um, yeah you know yeah. It, um even even though i even though i do think that there's something to that it's just like it's I tell you part of what it is too. All right. Um, whenever I see somebody in the UFO field who comes to me and they have like all the answers in terms of like, and it starts to sound like Star Wars, right? Like you know the the Zebel Ganubians are fighting the Krasmats oh. from Klegon Five, and it's like, okay, that's yeah. a little bit too too tidy for me. You know, I think that the phenomena is a lot messier. So when people say that they saw Bigfoot step out of a portal, sometimes I don't know what to do with that. But hmm. at the same time, it's it's it would be a handy explanation for a lot of different things. Um, and if you want to wrap that up in a sort of quasi scientific bow and say that these are other dimensions, that's fine. Um, I tend to be more of a, uh, a spiritually inclined person. So I think that you say another dimension, you might as well be saying the other world, you know, whatever mm. that was fairyland, dreamland, the afterlife, alternate like, universe. Something yeah, like that. yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, I, Still don't know what to make of that story from Skinwalker because it sounds like a, a Bigfoot crawling through, and I would have absolutely crapped my pants if I if it's, I'd it's seen crazy. That. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Uh, I I really hope you know someday because it seems like that's kind of a one off thing, and there's been no more like big, Bigfoot stuff in that in that area that at least that they've talked about. So maybe maybe someday, but um, you seem to be always you know you're probably always already researching, uh, looking into Bigfoot reports. These books have been out for a few years. Have there been reports that you've seen since they've come out that are like, you're just like, wow, that is just like a fantastic report or story, but it's not in the book. Yeah. There've been a couple of times when I see something, I'm like, man, I really wish we had, we had known about that. Um, off the top of my head, I'm not sure if I can remember any, um, okay. but um, anything that really mixes different things up. I mean, part of it too, is the fact that like, you kind of know if you've hit a nerve when you see new cases and you can kind of imagine where they would fit um, mm. in, a, in, a, in a story, you know, um, as far as something that I've heard that I've heard since then, I know that I've heard a couple ones and I'm just, I can't remember what they are. A, a lot of what I think is really interesting is, is to see the sort of feedback that we've gotten oh, sure. from people who, uh, from people who have taken certain ideas and really run with them. And I'm like, Oh, Duh, of course, you know. Um, so one of them was, uh, you know, this this idea that Tim put together, which I t- 
told him at the time, I said, there's nothing to this. I don't know why you're exploring this. This idea of women in white and wild men hmm. and how that idea stretches back over the years and, you know, up to and including um, sightings of these spectral women in white who have been seen at Bigfoot habituation sites. Um, now, of course, doesn't necessarily mean that they're connected, but, you know, it's rare enough to see a ghost. It's rare enough to see a Bigfoot. What are the odds of you seeing them both on their, on your property and them not being related somehow, right? Um, but that is actually a deep connection um, that stretches back into just some of the earliest folklore. And time and again, you find this where, like, you know, a wild man character is paired with a, with a you know, a virginal maiden character or something like that. Um, as you know, these two sort of partners in crime, as you were, um, mm. uh, and, and people, some of the people that we've, so some of the people who've read the book have taken this a step further and they've said, have you ever thought about how the, the Christmas tree is, is kind of like, uh, kind of like a, a microcosm of where the footprints in. And I'm like, what? <laughs> they're like, oh, well, boy. You've, you've, Oh man. That's, you, okay. You, you, you've got the Christmas lights, which are lightly anomalous lights that are seen in, in areas of heavy Bigfoot activity. Okay. You've got, um, the, uh, Santa Claus, who is like, who is a wild man. Like you can literally yeah, trace right, that. Right, right. You can literally trace that lineage through Odin to the Wadwos to your to European wild man archetype. And you have the uh, the angel on top of the tree is the woman in white. And I'm like, you know, that kind of makes sense. But but then once you see that, once that unlocks with you the idea of the the woman in white and the Bigfoot, that dichotomy of the the feminine and the you know the uh, the 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 pure feminine and the feralized masculine you see it everywhere you know beauty and the beast mm. and king kong and you know you end up seeing that everywhere and it's interesting oh yeah to me that, okay uh, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i can see yeah. that that yeah i am gonna i'm gonna probably see that everywhere now that's that's really weird yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's the way it works <laughs> yeah it's like you see you, you buy a volvo and everyone is driving volvos around you you know it's just yep. what you're looking for right um why do you think it's in, let's say, let's talk about uh, Bigfoot research for, for a little bit. Why do you think it's important to not just maybe get stuck on a, like, uh, a way of thinking that might be like, okay, it's only this and I can't consider other things. Why is it so important to consider like all the things? Well, I mean, so I can take this in a couple different directions. Um, okay. You know, for, for me, like, I don't like to stick with one idea or to just have my mind made up going in on something. Mm. Um, I like to challenge my, I, my, my own held beliefs politically, um, religiously, like all those beliefs, I like to challenge them because I think that strengthens them, you know? Mm -hmm. um, you know, and the other thing is, you know, being sort of a John Keel disciple, Keel famously said belief is the enemy because if your thinking gets calcified, it gets brittle and, mm. uh, you know, you, you can't pivot as easily and, uh, you know, it's easy for something to shatter your worldview. But, you know, there's some other stuff that bothers me about people who are really, really adherent and insist that Bigfoot is a flesh and blood creature. I am saying that maybe it is and maybe it isn't. Okay. I, don't, I, really, I really don't know. And, and there's obviously a very strong physical component to this, you know. Um, but uh, first of all, you know, you'll, you'll talk to these people who are like, well, if somebody says that the Bigfoot vanished before their eyes, maybe it just jumped behind a tree or jumped into a ditch. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. But if you want to walk that logic back, you can arrive at, oh, the person saw a bear. You know what I mean? So why are we even doing this? <laughs> if, right, well, right. You know, well, if it jumped into, you know, well, maybe you saw a bear. Um, and then, you know, there's this other idea that um, we have uh, a lot of indigenous testimony from a bunch of different tribes. They all believe 
different things, but you can kind of lump them into three categories, which is Bigfoot is an animal, Bigfoot is an animal with supernatural qualities, or Bigfoot is supernatural, right? Sure. And, uh, you know, there's this, like, there's almost this holdover of, you know, not to use these sort of buzzwords that people are talking about, but like, there's like this kind of like colonialist dismissive <laughs> undercurrent okay, to a lot okay. of, a lot of cryptozoology where they're like, you know, by Jove, these primitive savages say that the creature can, you know, uh. vanish at will. Uh, they, <laughs> they must have, they must be mistaken. It's, it's quite a, you know, stealthy creature. And I'm like, look, these are, these are people who have like lived in the, in the, in the right, wilderness right. since time immemorial, you know, they know when an owl's an owl and they know when something's a little bit different. So I think that kind of plays into it a little bit. Um, but you know, I just, I, I feel like there's not enough agnosticism regarding exactly what these things are. And by these things, I mean, UFOs, lake monsters, Bigfoot, other cryptids, you know, um, because the jury's still out because no one does have one in their garage. So you know, you can say things like, well, this doesn't seem to be something that you see in a lot of cases, or this does seem to be something that you see in a lot of cases. You can talk about dermal ridges and mid-tarsal breaks all day. I'm on board sure. for that, you know? Um, but but when you just say outright that hypothesis A, B, or C is not possible, or even worse, that people who entertain those ideas are lazy thinkers, that's when I get a problem with it. Mm. Um, because, I mean, mm. there's there's plenty of lazy thinking on both sides when it comes to the flesh and blood versus not flesh and blood issue, in my opinion. You know, gotcha. there are plenty of new age people who are talking about Bigfoot, the forest spirit who's here to save humanity, you know, right, <laughs> right. You know, uh, it, it's, it's all. Yeah. Anyway. Um, and what I like to do is try to find that sort of middle ground where it's like, well, is, is there a way that it seems like we can have our cake and eat it, too? You know, I like that. I like that. Yeah, it's, you know, on this podcast, like uh I am, uh, I guess, you you know, you could use the terminology flesh and blood guy, but like, I like to have varying, uh, differing viewpoints on the show and then, you know, learn, learn a little bit from everyone, which I think is important right. for, for us all to do. Right. And I, I guess, you know, it just comes from this place of, you know, I would, I, I, I feel like, and this is maybe a harsh characterization, but I feel okay. like the flesh and blood community derides the people who don't think Bigfoot is a flesh and blood creature more than vice versa. Um, you know, because I'm I, everybody that I've talked to is, is just like, Hey, let's look at these odd outliers over here rather than just ignore them outright, which it seems like a lot of people in the flesh and blood community are very content to do. Mm. Um, and you know, if, if you believe a witness when they say Bigfoot crossed the road, and you're like taking notes furiously, you know, and then they say it disappeared into a ball of light, and you're like, oh, I don't remember. Yeah, rip it up. The, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, well, I mean, did this did this person seem credible to you 30 seconds ago? Like, you know, right. yeah. Um, so I, th I think we could all be more uh, give all give every each other a little bit more grace than we do. Honestly. I think that that's uh, one of those solid lessons to take away as being a good human being that could apply to a lot of different things. So uh, definitely good words there. Uh, let's, uh, let's go through maybe, uh, a few different, uh, points I, I, I wrote down as I was looking through, uh, your books there. And I'm just curious, you know, what your, what your thoughts are on the different subjects. So, um, and I've had, I've had a story, uh, this particular subject, I had a gentleman tell me a story once where he saw a Bigfoot, uh, coming down a trail, actually, sorry, um, mm -hmm. 
he saw an orb first and then he looked further down the trail and he saw like a Bigfoot controlling it with like one of his hands or something like that, which is kind of a cool, you know, idea. But yeah, I, I like, what it. are your yeah. thoughts? What are your thoughts on like the orbs being seen in, uh, around the, the, you know, Bigfoot? Well, I mean, so you're, you're trying to cobble together some sort of explanation from all this quite frankly, nonsense, right? These things that don't, sure. <laughs> don't compute, right? Yeah. I have a couple of different thoughts about that. Um, I think sometimes uh, that the... Now, of course, in the specific example of, of the Bigfoot controlling the orb, was there like a device or something? Or No, he was just like, uh, the way I imagine was it Doctor is... Doctor Strange it? <laughs> no, no, no. Even better, in Labyrinth, when David Bowie is like this. Oh, like, nice. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like that's that great. Kind of I love that. I love that. <laughs> Doctor um, Strange is great, too. Uh, so... Um, so I have thought sometimes because mm -hmm. like the light phenomena is something that you see everywhere. Mm. Like I don't think that there is a single, I'm sure somebody can prove me wrong, but to my knowledge, there's not a single paranormal phenomena that doesn't involve light phenomena and orbs. I think you could say even more specifically. And so much of that is context dependent, right? Like you see an orb in the sky, it's a UFO. You see it, you know, bobbing along an ancient, you see it bobbing along Stonehenge and it's a fairy light or you see it in a haunted house and it's a ghost. Mm. And, uh, you know, you see it in the woods and it's a ghost light, but then you have the Bigfoot thrown in there to sort of, you know, right. uh, undermine your expectations. But to that extent, I kind of wonder if like the lights are not like the naked unvarnished version of the phenomena. If there is a shared paranormal supernatural phenomena, if that's like the, un you, you ever played a video game and, uh, this happens happened on computers in like the in the in the 90s and early 2000s okay. a lot where like a file would be corrupted and like the mm -hmm. texture would be missing you know oh yeah totally sometimes, sometimes i kind of wonder if that's not <laughs> what we're seeing with the lights right like it's it's oh, that's, unskinned that's really scary actually to think about it's unskinned yeah. right and then, right. and then in 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 my in my again this is all super speculative and super hypothetical but we we do know that um there's a connection between the release of uh well between the pineal gland and melatonin, which is DMT. And it, we all know that that is it's it, the, the pineal gland was an eye at one point and it's triggered by light still and it functions and it's related to melatonin production anyway. Uh. So if we all contain this um, very potent psychedelic in our systems, which is dimethyltryptamine, which we all do, everyone listening, congratulations. You're, <laughs> you're, you're holding now. Um, does this light somehow interact with that and dump that DMT into our system? And then we, or the phenomena itself, if there is an intelligence behind it, and I do think there is, sort of goes through the, the wardrobe of our brain and says, oh, this person is kind of interested in Bigfoot. Let's wear the Bigfoot outfit. Or, like, you know, oh, this person's, this person. That, is, that you know. I've heard before, that it's using what we have in yeah. our minds and then kind of making it so that we don't freak out. Yeah, so yeah. so I mean that's maybe something. Yeah, maybe. Um but you know when you've got this sort of hierarchy in like the story that you were talking about where like the Bigfoot is controlling the orb part of me doesn't know what to do with that. And it's it's not an uncommon thing where you hear about Bigfoot holding orbs. There was a couple of cases in the 70s. I think not necessarily part of that Stan Gordon wave, but I think just okay. in other parts of this. I think this is maybe near Pittsburgh or something where somebody saw a Bigfoot holding an orb and like there was a flying saucer in the distance, you know, <laughs> above mm, them. Wow. Um, the trifecta, right? Yeah. Um, and 
I think that there is a very important thread to pull on uh, regarding the way that we conceptualize the human soul. And I'm, I'm being sort of coy and cagey about that because mm. it's part of my new book that's not out. And it's not like I'm trying to like, it's not like I'm trying to like, uh, you know, gin up publicity or anything for that. It's just like, it's just such a, such a complex thing that I, I don't really want to get into it. But like, we've oftentimes thought that these anomalous ghost lights were human souls, um, our own souls wandering, death omens, um, all sorts of different things. So once you introduce that factor into a Bigfoot sighting, you have to sort of look at like, well, maybe Bigfoot has something to do with death and the nature of our souls which wow it's weird yeah um, that is weird mm-hmm. but you know if you know but if you want to if you want to sort of follow that trackway <laughs> um <laughs> it, it'll take you to some odd places um yeah and so people i'm sure are going to be like oh well, it must be demons i'm like well it's not quite what i'm saying either i think that there's you know a robust ecosystem of of weird things out there that are preoccupied with um things on that side of the curtain if that makes any sense i think it does and that's it the 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 whole like there's the brown mountain lights there's the orb lights seen around puckwudgie reports i mean it really does like there's so many different ways the whole the orb thing goes but um i'm also also dust You know, every Ghost Hunter episode, like, you know, there's, oh, oh, we we caught an orb, and it's, so there's also dust, and there's also bugs. Yeah, there totally is. Not what we're talking about, folks. We're talking about, yeah. Oh, no, we'll get the, uh, the, the Ghost Adventures uh, audience will be up in arms about, about that. Zach Baggins coming at you. Dude, I would love to interview Zach Baggins. That would be so intense. It'll be fun. I would love it. I would, dude, Zach, I know you're listening to this every week. Come on, man. Um, I found it interesting in your, your books i can't remember which one i'm sorry but um the part about owls so it's like uh a lot there's a a lot of people that are thinking that when they hear an owl it's it's actually a a bigfoot performing the noise is that or something of that nature yeah owls are a strange (laughs) pardon the pun owls are a strange bird um Mm. literally and figuratively um so my good friend Mike Cleland has sort of looked into the UFO owl connection at length, um, and that's a huge topic. But um, along with that, you do start to get these stories of owls and UFOs being seen either together or in close proximity, or like people seeing these gigantic owls. And uh, hmm. you also get stories. There's one story I think in volume two, I think. Um, where there's this woman who went to her sweat lodge and she saw some Bigfoot outside and there were owls around her home at the time. And it ended with her having a giant uh, triangular UFO sighting as it floated overhead while her husband battled poltergeist inside his house. You know, Whoa, what? No. I, I don't know. If I, but here's the thing, man. So, so I, I hear stories that wild and I'm like, if I was going to make up a story that someone would buy, it wouldn't be that it would be like, I wouldn't oh, I go that people. far. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah um, and so i'm a big fan of just high strangeness in general but okay. returning to the owl there does seem to be some sort of connective tissue there and people do oftentimes report bigfoot mimicking all sorts of things from you know mm. human beings to other animals to especially sure. lots of different bird calls right um and uh and you know owls are 
an especially common one. Um, lots of times they'll say it sounded like an owl, but it sounded like a 500 pound owl, you know? <laughs> um, and, right. uh, <laughs> And what's interesting to me is that, you know, and, and people who are just who are on the more of the flesh and blood side of things will find mm-hmm. this interesting, too, is that, um, you know, so we've all heard of these. We don't know. What, we oftentimes don't know what to call them when we hear them in pop culture, but they're called contact calls, which is, you know, where you have spec special ops guys going, you know, they're, they're oh, communicating. Yeah, okay. with, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right, right. yeah. But um, there's an entire field of study uh, that has cataloged the most often used contact calls that people use for stealth operations. And uh, at one point it was very common, I think, mm-hmm. in Europe for uh, for thieves to use um, owl sounds. Uh, because there was, you know, not only would people expect to hear an owl at night, right? But Mm -hmm. also there were so many superstitions surrounding owls that like people would generally kind of stay away because they were oftentimes an omen of death again. So you have that in there as well. Um, So yeah, uh, it kind of sounds to me like maybe uh, there might be some sort of uh, connection there. But, you know, returning to this mimicry idea, some some of the ways that Bigfoot can mimic things sounds like it's pretty uncanny um and it sounds like we're talking about mm. like a liar bird level of, of oh, mimicry that's yeah. going on here because like it sounded you know i was that's one story it's like you know i was 40 miles from anywhere and i heard a forklift backing up or you know ron or, Moorhead, or, yes 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 yeah, yeah. the, the yeah. stampeding horses by the sierra site or the car um, door closing in the woods where there's the car no door closing cars. yeah that's all yeah. the time i hear that yeah yeah, yeah. so you know it's it's possible for an animal to uh make those noises because like if you if you haven't looked up a lyre bird like go do that mm, it's it's crazy wild. It's a, it's wild. yeah it's it's wild but that's there's no mammalian precedent for that mm. um i think it was moorhead who suggested that maybe bigfoot have a dual sets of vocal cords and the only mammal that does is the mars is a you know a marsupial it's called oh interesting so you start and you see this again with bigfoot it's like well bigfoot could have this attribute it's like cool, and you're like, well, they could also be like the only creature on Earth with with um with glowing eyes. And you're like, oh, okay, that too. So two very unique things, and they're like, and they can leap, you know, a hundred feet. And like, wait, okay, so like the two animals that can leap the farthest <laughs> are the snow leopard and the cliff springer, and that's fifty feet. So you're telling me like right. it's like at the top of its game in like eight different ways in the animal kingdom. It kind of makes me wonder if 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 that's a bit of a, a misinterpretation um, hmm. sometimes. But interestingly, if you look at, you know, one of the most common things that people get in terms of these sounds of of hearing Bigfoot are these, you know, bird calls or animal, you know, bird calls, especially. And they're always like, it sounds like a bird, but it's kind of off. It's a little bit too deep. It's a little bit this or that. But like, I would say far, I would say far and away bird calls are what you hear from Bigfoot most often. Hmm. And, um, you know, there are a couple of different directions you can go with that. I mean, like it's it's a very common esoteric concept uh, amongst magical practitioners that like birdsong encodes special wisdom uh, from the heavens. You know, the language of birds. You find that hmm. uh, as as an esoteric concept. And then also, if you look to you know medieval art, you'll find that uh, that apes and birds oftentimes had an antagonistic relationship like really have like a, a an ape reaching for a bird or an ape you know trying to attack a bird. Oh. and uh that that implies sort of a relationship there especially when you look at examples of i think it's the nagoi rung i think if memory serves the the vietnamese uh rock apes i think oh, that's oh, right yeah sure sure who were who were reported like you know attacking birds with stones and stuff so it's almost like life is imitating art to to be kind of woo about it oh, that is so that is weird, but a very cool 
explanation. Uh, you've you've mentioned his name earlier, uh, Stan Gordon. Um, what are your thoughts about? So let's say Chestnut Ridge, and you've got all these reports of like there's a Bigfoot sighting, but it's next to a UFO sighting. How does one wrap their mind around that? You know, well, like so. Uh, I think it was uh, there's a great book that's out there. Have you have you read uh, Anne Slate and Alberry's Bigfoot book? It's on the list. I have. If not you can yet. get your hands on it, it's wild. Um, okay. And John Green, to his credit, uh, uh, wrote the foreword. Um, but I think in it he says, you know, well, if there is a connection there, I would assume that the flying saucer people are studying the Bigfoot. And it's like, okay, well, so <laughs> like, g- good on you, John, that you that yeah. you wrote that forward. But like, that's yeah. that's that's levels of assumption of in anthrop- oh, big anthrop- time, you know, and yeah. uh, anthropomorphization <laughs> um, of of whatever lies behind the UFOs that I can't quite buy into. And you know, Tim, my my co author, said two things to me that I thought were really um prescient and number one was you know okay well if if ufos are interested in primates why don't we get more you know orangutan ufo sightings or gorilla ufo sightings yeah 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 like okay well you know maybe bigfoot's an interesting outlier and that's why they're investigating them but then you look at uh something else that tim said which i sort of alluded to earlier regarding the, the ghost thing is it is very rare to see a bigfoot it is very rare to see a UFO. It is orders mm. of magnitude rarer yeah. to see them both, right? So <laughs> what totally. are the odds? So what are the odds that these things aren't connected? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I would say probably at this point antagonistic to the, to the extraterrestrial hypothesis as well. Fair enough. Um, but at the same time, that doesn't necessarily mean that I have an answer on, on why we see UFOs and Bigfoot. Um, and again, some of these stories are just, you know, nuck and futs. Um, <laughs> you know, I think there's a story in the book about the woman who was taken aboard a UFO and saw a Bigfoot reading a newspaper, you know? And that oh, may be, you know, that may be, um, that may be National Enquirer level stuff. Right. But at the same time, you know, it's it's so strange that it kind of makes me say, is this somebody right. me into an altered state of consciousness or something? You know? Um and that's an area that you know cryptozoologists I think haven't explored quite enough is that that idea that somehow altered states of consciousness might be playing a role in these things too. Ooh, that's um, an interesting thought, definitely. Yeah, the, the UFO community is is quite on board with the idea nowadays. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But uh, you know, if and and to be fair, a lot of Bigfoot reports don't have those same hallmarks that you see in psychedelic trips and near death experiences, and you don't you don't quite get all those things you get some of them here and there but you don't quite get all those right. all those things um but i still think it would be an interesting direction to look in um especially mm. especially for the weirder reports you know are people slipping into some sort of like again are they mentally slipping into another dimension or are they entering like you know the realm of pure imagination because of some <laughs> sort of external stimuli you know Maybe, you know, there, there's a lot of er- areas you could go with that. But yeah, if you could like monitor <laughs> yeah. brain waves or something, I don't know. But um, I try to try to put uh, a few more questions in uh, because, man, we're 45 minutes in this. This <laughs> is know, right? fast and furious. Yeah. I love it. Um, what would you say to the listener that's saying, I don't have anything weird in my area? Well, I would say that uh, oh, just uh, in, in terms of like super weird Bigfoot or just. Or like just anything, general. like like I live in like 
middle yeah. of Iowa. There's nothing weird here. I feel this way sometimes because I feel like I'm, you know, paranormal kryptonite. Like I, I've had some pretty dramatic ghost stuff happen to me, but um, mm. it's not often. You know, I talked to some of my friends who claim to have had a lot of stuff happen. I'm like, man, what what is your life like? Um, you know, there's an interesting <laughs> interesting conversation that happened. I believe it was on my friend Greg Bishop's show, Radio Mysterioso, back when oh, that sure. Skinwalker Ranch documentary was uh, released. And ah, he was yes. talking to Nap and Corbell. Ah, yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> and uh, I would love to talk to Nap. Oh my goodness! I but, think yeah, it go came up. <laughs> well, that was that was more for Corbell than it was for. for no, for, I get it. I get it. I get um, it. but uh, I think it came up that um, that you know, well, why is Skinwalker Ranch so strange? And and I think the assertion, the assertion, or or the conclusion that they reached was that Skinwalker Ranch isn't any different than your backyard. It's just that mm. it happens more often there. Um, and that, you know, there might be, you know, dozens or hundreds of places everywhere, but often, you know, honestly, if you look, I would, I would say that you are no more than a few hours drive from something strange, you know, and I would, I would say a good place to start looking would be wilderness areas. Um, you know, a lot of ancient archeological sites, I think, you know, I think there's something to Keel's window area idea Mm -hmm. being centered Mm -hmm. around those. Yep. Um, exactly what that means, I don't know, but I think that you know you, you see that sort of trend happening from t- time to time again. Um, but there is weirdness to be found, um, and sure. <laughs> if you if you're really adventurous, you can bring the weirdness to you, <laughs> which Uh-oh. you know, uh, Terrence McKenna style, five drag grams in silent darkness. But um, you know, I, I'm not advocating for that. But I know some people. I don't get the like, reference, but I sure don't advocate whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean it's it's it's. <laughs> It's this idea that, you know, if, if you are looking to, I'm not a magical practitioner. I have never ah, done, psych- okay. I've never done psychedelic yeah, drugs. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and that's yeah, not sure. me being, that's not being, being, you know, a, a right, church right. boy or something. I really haven't yeah. uh, because they terrify the hell out of me. Oh, but like, yeah. but, but there are, you know, I remember ha- talking to my friends and I'm like, man, it would really be kind of cool to see one of the faithful. And he's like, well, if you get some mushrooms, I'm sure we can make that happen. <laughs> So, so I mean, like, so you you can go looking for it, or you know, sometimes if you look hard enough, it'll come your way, even without any of those things going on. So, speaking of looking for it, um, let's say you've got a listener where they're like, oh, I've read, I've read Josh and you know Josh's books, and they're awesome, and I love all the stories. That how am I? How can I find my own stories? Like, where is he finding all these stories from? Like. Oh man, partially from being just obsessive. Um, you know, okay. a really good, yeah. a really good place. I mean, like, so I, I we were talking about this before we started. You know, I'm right, right. I, I do listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, okay. In part, you know, I started that when I was on my commute, but it's kind of the the thing right now. Whereas, if if I'm not doing something that needs my oral attention, or I'm not trying mm-hmm. to write, and pr- I've got a podcast going. Um, and you'll find stories in there. And if you're if you're if you're looking for a specific idea or or something like that. You'll find a story that will allow you to pull on a thread. And from there, it's just like serendipity. Mm. You end up pulling on that thread and it leads you in another direction. It leads you to somebody or something that you've never heard about. And that's, that's been always a really good uh, avenue for me. I mean, part of what I do is I I have a a lot of uh, digitized magazines um, and I have a pretty extensive library. So that, that helps, right? That helps. Um, But yeah, I think if you're, if you're just looking for stories, that's a good place to start. And uh, I, I always, I don't know if they are any more valid, but I, I do have a soft spot for those pre-internet magazine stories and, and journal stories because, 
took a little yeah. bit more effort. It took a little bit more effort to to get that into the to get that printed than it does to hop on Reddit and say, you know, I was attacked by Dogman in Yosemite or something. I love the uh, the 1960s Bigfoot journals. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the, you know, and it's like like Renee DeHinden writes in and says, "I'm out to look for the Bigfoot," and then John Green is hanging out too. And I'm like, "Oh my goodness, this is awesome!" You can yeah. find those. You have to know where to look, but they are digitized and out there. Yeah, and and you know what? I, I find a lot of people don't know how powerful Google Advanced Search can be. Exactly. Um, so if you just like. Take a. I'm sure there's some YouTube videos. There are YouTube videos for everything, but like, yeah, just look into that, and like, that can lead you some really cool places as well. And then, you know, the other thing is, sounds so dorky. Your local library, but um, <laughs> but interlibrary loan is a beautiful thing. Oh, um, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. It, it got sort of sidetracked over COVID. They weren't doing that as much, but um, hmm. and and if you are close to you know a university especially a flagship university like a state you know the university of xyz those libraries oftentimes you can walk you can't check anything out but you can walk in and just walk through the stacks and sometimes if you find a a topic a book on a topic there'll be a lot of books around it that are you're like oh that looks interesting too like i can't tell you how many times i've like and, incredible threads to pull on from the book beside the book I was looking for, you know? And if you live near Humboldt State University in California, they have a whole Bigfoot reference room. I believe that's the that's name amazing. of the school because Bobo always talks about it on uh, Bigfoot and Beyond. But um, let's let's end with uh, one final uh, question. And uh, uh, what are, let's say, what are three books that you could recommend to uh, listeners? I'm going to recommend five. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I'm going to five because we've already talked about uh, Meldrum's book. We've already talked yep. about J. Robert Alley's book. So those aren't going to count. So okay, cool. Three ones that I would recommend on top: Bigfoot specific or not? Uh, Bigfoot cryptozoology. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, uh, I would have said, um. I would have said George P. Hansen's Attraction of the Paranormal, but he doesn't really get into cryptozoology too much, mm-hmm. so I'll throw that out. Patrick Harper's Demonic Reality um, okay. is a wonderful book, and it will sort of open you up to this way of thinking. Whether you like it or not, it's a beautifully written book, and whether or not you agree with it, he makes an interesting case for the uh, sort of ephemeral nature of, of some cryptids. Oh, interesting. Um, I am... Uh, Absolutely. Look back here on my my shelf. Um, another Bigfoot book that I really love is The Locals. Oh um, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. By, is that uh, Tom Powell? Tom Powell. Yeah. Yes. Tom yep. Powell's The Locals yep. is another great one. Yep. Um, and uh, I would also recommend. I'm trying to think specifically. Bigfoot. You know, I think. I'm gonna I'm uh I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of sidestep the cryptozoology specific thing, sure. and I'm gonna say uh, Jerome Clark's The Unexplained. Oh, a classic! I grew up with that book, and yep. uh, that original copy is still at my at my parents' place, and it's like oh, been wow. it's got like mask it's got like masking tape around it because yeah. the cover fell off. Oh um, man! But like I just I find it so you know I think I think diversity is important, uh, not only in the way that we're talking about it nowadays, but like just diversity of opinion and diversity of thought and diversity of topics like the healthiest ecosystems are diverse ecosystems right Mm -hmm. and your brain is no different and i think that really cultivating a healthy interest in a lot of these different topics can allow you to start to see some of the connections 
And, uh, you know, I'm, I, I'm convinced that if we ever get to the bottom of these topics, which I don't think we will, but I'm convinced that, uh, that the answer very well might reside in some of these things that no one has ever even thought of connecting to it or not, not even thought of looking at. Gotcha. It. Um, yeah, hundred percent. Oh man, those, that, those are solid recommendations that have never been brought up on the show. So thank awesome. you for that. Uh, audience will be pumped to hear new ones that are not, uh, cryptozoology A to Z and, um, Sasquatch legend meets science. Not to belittle those because they need to be on your bookshelf. But um, before we head on out of the main show, Josh, do you mind sharing where people can uh, keep up to date with what's going on and anything you want to plug about upcoming stuff? The floor is yours to do it, whatever you want. Okay. Well, I, (laughs) here we go. Um, I, everything about me, you can find at joshuacutchin.com, J O S H U A C U T C H I N just like a cut on your chin, uh, .com. Um, uh, that's got updates for all my upcoming books. I have three books that should be coming out wow. um, relatively soon. Um, one is a book of essays that I edited and contributed to on uh, how fairy folklore finds its way into films. And the other two are a two-parter uh, that I'm releasing all about uh, death and the paranormal and how a lot mm. of these different things seem to uh, wow. over, over, overlap with those. Wowzers. Um Festivals are back, baby. They're back, um, baby. Yep. Back, baby. Um, next weekend, so not this upcoming weekend, not not two days from now, but a week from two days from now, I'll be at the Western North Carolina Bigfoot Festival in Marion. Uh, yep. I'm not speaking or anything, but I'll have a table, so come by and say hi. Um, and be nice. And be, and be nice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, then uh, – August is an absolute mess for me. Um, (laughs) Yeah, uh, in a good way. Um, I will be speaking at uh, the Worldwide Metaphysical Tribe in Illinois. Wow. Um, Yeah, uh, that's August 11th, 12th, 13th, and 14th. It's sort of a retreat, um, and they have some people. I think I might be one of the first cryptid speakers there. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, uh, because you know, worldwide metaphysical tribe. We're not talking about flesh and blooders here. <laughs> um, right, right. So, yeah, not at yeah. all. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the following weekend, uh, I am pleased to announce uh, that I will be a speaker at the Midwest Conference on the Unknown. Uh, Where is that? That's in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. Um, oh, well, is... I'm from Central Iowa, so that's oh, okay. very interesting. Very cool. Yeah, that's August fifth through seventh, and. Uh, they really put together a rogues gallery of speakers. It's myself. Wow. It's myself, right? Um, no. <laughs> um, it's myself, uh, Micah Hanks, Ryan Sprague, uh, Joel Rose, Zach Bales, Margie Kay, Michael Huntington. Yeah, it's and I think some other folks that haven't. That's been a enough. solid conference for Missouri. My it's, goodness, it's going to be a good hang. Yeah. So um, wow, excited about that. Okay, very cool to see Ryan Sprague out here and uh, all all those guys. Oh man. Good for you guys. Good for you. Wow. Uh, Josh, it has been super fun to have you on. Uh, You're going to hang out a little bit more for the the Patreon after show. Uh, So patreon.com forward slash Bigfoot Society. If you want to hear that, we're going to be talking. I got got topics down here. We'll talk about fairies. We'll talk about the Goblin Universe. We'll talk about UFOs and aliens. We'll talk about other stuff. It's going to be wild. And we might have some people with questions. We'll see. But Josh, thank you so much for coming on tonight. An absolute pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Bigfoot Society podcast. Please take a few minutes to review the show on iTunes five stars as it does help us get into the eyes and ears of more listeners on iTunes. Uh, That 
will help us just get bigger and bigger and get even better quality guests for future shows. Uh, also, if you have any Bigfoot encounters or cryptid encounters, please send your stories and uh, audio and photos, whatever you've got, over to BigfootSociety at gmail.com. If you'd like to become more involved with Bigfoot Society and get some extra content, we do have a Patreon uh, where you can get all sorts of cool things. For example, for $7 a month, you get extra Bigfoot Society content, uh, usually interviews, but other things as well. You get a sweet membership card and a vinyl sticker that I send to you in the mail. You get access to the Bigfoot Society after show, which is an extra interview after the main interview with the weekly guest. And usually they are up for uh, Patreon members to be in that extra show segment with them and me. And you get to ask your uh, question live to them and get an answer from the guest, which as you've seen what guests we've had in the past, this could be a really big deal. There's also a private discord where you can get involved with uh, talking to me one-on-one and the community there. And that's always a great time. You can find the Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash the Bigfoot society. Uh, we're very thankful for all our supporters that we have in so many different ways and appreciate uh, all our listeners coming back week after week to listen to more cryptozoology-based interviews. Uh, Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Bigfoot Society. Any content provided by our guests are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone. Thank you.